Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Arthur Samuel Joseph, founder and chairman of Vocal Awareness Institute. Arthur is widely recognized today as one of the world's foremost communication strategists and authorities on the human voice. With a client list that includes A-listers like Angelina Jolie, Sean Connery, Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, Jerry Rice, and Emmett Smith, it's no wonder Arthur is known as the expert in communication mastery. Today, we're going to talk about how to break through the white noise and inspire your listeners. We'll learn what has worked from Arthur's experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where people sometimes miss the mark. Arthur, welcome. So happy to have you on today. Thanks, you. What a joy to be here. Thank you. Well, I am delighted I, I was actually a little nervous to introduce you because I'm sitting here going, mm, he's listening to my voice um, because the voice is so important, right? And what I'd love to do is start off our conversation about a little bit from your background and what got you to where you are today, where you work with massive, massive celebrities. Before I go there, let me just demonstrate one thing okay. of what you said about your anxiety. So if I say to you, because I know this is about how to avoid mistakes. And so if I say to you, Stacey, it's really nice being on your show today. Thank you so much for having me on. Versus, Stacey, it's really nice to be on your show today. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, we don't necessarily know why the first one is bogus. We just know I don't trust that man. But we don't realize it was only because my pitch was too high and I spoke too fast. The second one, we don't think wow, he breathed, his pitch is lower and he slowed down. All we get is that he is more genuine, more authentic. Mm-hmm. So the point is that in any performance, we never get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm-hmm. Perception is reality. So right out of the gate, I want to drop that little tip for your listeners. And then I've been, this is my 54th year of vocal awareness. And I knew when I was four that music was my life. And at 12, I began, I knew that singing was its direction. And at 15, I had my first voice teacher. I've written five books. My first book, The Sound of the Soul, was dedicated to my first teacher, Mrs. Julia Kinsel. I was 15 and she was 75. In the middle of my lessons, I would do this bizarre behavior and I'm not exaggerating. Stop! No, I don't want to do it like that. I hear it this way manically clamping my hands on my ears like that. And she allowed this inane behavior from a teenager because she knew something about me I didn't yet know. I hear vocal sound differently than anyone I've ever met anywhere in the world. And when I hear a voice, I instantly hear you. It's what I call perfect pitch. It's an instant imprint. And Mrs. Kinsler's lack of dogma allowed me to create new form. Vocal awareness is actually trademarked in many areas these days, empowerment to voice, communication, mastery, etc., because it's a paradigm shift in communication. 
but it all began with Mrs. Kinsel and her letting me behave so bizarrely. Well, fantastic that you were able to come into your own as a teenager and didn't have to wait a decade to figure it out. Yes. And I'm a classical singer by training. I have a master's in voice. And when you grew up, did you ever see the movie Annie? Of course. Yes, I was the vocal director. And so in my work, I get to do anything I want. This is, I some people tell people I sell air. We all have to breathe and we all have to communicate in some fashion. So whether we have the Pierce Brosnans and Arnold Schwarzeneggers and the names you've mentioned, or Deloitte and Touche, or one of my clients who became a U.S. Senator in this last election cycle, a woman who, sitting with her during a campaign announcement, annotating every little piece of it, conducting it so that she comes through. So, or working with a client years ago who was a Holocaust survivor and helping her find her voice. I've taught deaf people to sing, literally. And so this is mastery, not just communication, mastery, but mastery through communication. And it's a metaphor for how to be whom we're truly capable of being. And so what is the first step? How does someone approach changing how they're speaking, how they're talking, how they are conveying words to others? How do they take that step back? What is your guidance there? What a thoughtful question. I teach a lot of elite athletes in virtually any sport you can imagine. And I say to an athlete in the first lesson, you bring the talent to your sport but someone literally teaches you every single thing you do. Without that training, your talent is wasted. But who teaches us to be us? Speech is habit. We don't think about it. We just talk. But in vocal awareness, everything is as strategic as can be. Voice is power. When you own your voice, you own your power. We're not speaking big, bombastic. We're speaking integral. And so it begins with, and you said I get to play with you, so now we'll get to play. Oh, dear. (laughs) Sit up up and attention. Nice and tall. Sit up straight. I am. And notice you're holding your breath. Yes, because my diaphragm is also probably in a different position. But okay. So now, just relax, because I never want you to do that. But when we're in front of people... That's one of the things we do. We hold our breath. Mm -hmm. So instead, in vocal awareness, we have seven rituals in vocal awareness. Stature is not a ritual. It's preparation. So from three inches below your navel, we're going to take your left or right hand, and you're gracefully going to pull a a thread slowly right up to the top of your crown chakra, slowly, just like this. Taller, taller, taller. And hand down. And notice the first thing your body did was inhales. Mm -hmm. And your internal and external space are instantly quiet. And your chest is open and your core is engaged. Mm -hmm. Just by putting yourself in stature. I used to train Tony Robbins many years ago. And Tony would refer to my seven rituals as pattern interrupts. And he would say to create a new pattern, you have to exaggerate behavior to break an old one. Mm -hmm. And so... We're breaking patterns. We're literally in vocal awareness, creating new neural pathways. 
And I'm always teaching, Stacy, that we are not our behaviors. That may be how we behave, but is that whom we choose to be? So then we create a persona statement. The root of the word persona means through the sound. One's identity is largely conveyed to the sound of a voice and an opinion created in a nanosecond. I teach that every single thing in life, Stacy, revolves only around two things, to choose to do something or to choose not to. Doesn't matter how scary it is, how seemingly daunting, all that matters is how badly I want it. Even in abdication, we make a choice by walking away. But in vocal awareness, does that choice empower us or disempower us? So here in this persona statement, it awakens us to the idea, I mean, I actually have a choice as to how I want to be known. Absolutely. So you write an idealized persona statement, aspirational, but it's not going to say I want to be known as average or weak or whatever. It's going to say important things, highly intelligent, caring, passionate, whatever it is. So that becomes the template because I'm not going to make you into somebody you're not. I'm going to help you discover how to bring out what's possible. Am I making sense? You make absolute sense. I think one of the things that people also are not always cognizant. May I play? You can. Will you ask me that again with your eyes on you, please? Yes, because I was thinking elsewhere. But no. uh, yes. So one of the things that I think a lot of times happens is people are not okay. Now, did you hear your voice changed? Yes. When we make eyes. It literally changes the sound of the voice. And so sociologists tell us, I'm coming back to your question or your statement. Like, sorry for overriding. That's that. okay. No, no, no. It's all good. Sociologists have fed us as bogus bill of goods for decades. It says the greatest fear in society is public speaking. Totally ridiculous. However, the greatest fear in society are two fears. Fear of abandonment and ownership of my power. Claiming me without fear of what you think of me while I'm being me. Our social contract is you look at me while I babble on for days. I don't come up for air, obviously. I just blah, 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 blah. And we look at the other person. The moment you begin to speak, or most of us, we look away to gather the thought. What I'm teaching here is I want you to be strategic. That's a behavior. This is a technique. So I wanted to help you discover that, well, there are benefits. My pitch changes because there's connection, and, so, and it's generally a little bit lower. And it also challenges us. Oh, that's scary. Well, why is that scary? I looked at him when I, he was doing all the talking. And so it, it's about owning. And so okay. we break these patterns little by little. We can find our thought anywhere, but I don't want us talking when we're over there. So as a discipline, gather the thought while looking at you. Perfect. Our listeners had no idea that we'd be going this deep. This is fantastic. Okay. So. And to what? your listeners, look mm -hmm. how quickly Stacy does it. I bet you dollars to donuts virtually none of you will do it that quickly. That's very impressive. 
Well, it's, it could also be that they don't have listeners listening in and a video stream going on at the same time and they want to make sure that they're following. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the clients that you work with, you know, you, have, you work with people who are on camera, who are in front of thousands, tens of thousands of people who are being filmed, they're on movie screens, they're on television screens, they're speakers, they're politicians who know that this power is so important. And, you know, some of our listeners may be saying, okay, fine, you know, I understand that these individuals need to be able to control their voice. It's who they are, it's how they make their money. But I would dare say that, you know, you also mentioned that uh, an executive at Deloitte is a client of yours. This transcends over into business and into other areas of life that anyone could benefit from more awareness around their vocal patterns. This is earning power. We communicate for a living. And whether it's on a date, whether it's a job interview, a keynote, a PowerPoint presentation, it all matters. And we've been taught, Stacey, that all of these kinds of situations are presentations. Again, a misnomer. They are not. They're actually a performance because someone is watching or listening. And I know it's an interesting thought, and you just inhaled because the body hurts, and that's kind of interesting. Okay. And so if we look up, my last book is called Vocal Leadership, Seven Minutes a Day to Communication Mastery. The back of the book, I have a glossary of resources for a number of words. We look up the word present or presentation, and it means to introduce formally, to bring before the public. We look up the word performance or perform, and it literally means to carry out, fulfill, to do. A presentation is actually less authentic than a performance. And so... It could be something as simple as asking a boss for a raise or, you know, especially for women in the workplace, you know, far better than I, it is not a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And so, and as far as I'm concerned, we are living in the most dangerous time in our country since World War II or the McCarthy period. It is, it is dangerous. And so this work is about personal sovereignty. There's, cultures out there trying to fold, spindle, mutilate. And so this is a way to help us claim who we are. We look up the word hubris. It means extreme arrogance or blaspheming the gods. Nothing to aspire to. I don't know one artist in the moment of performance or one athlete in the moment of competition who's not completely hubristic. They're not thinking about anything other than what they're there to accomplish, period. Mm -hmm. But us mere mortals out here, we get all these mixed messages. Oh, don't act like that. What will people think? Well, you shouldn't say that. You sound arrogant. So if I say, Stacey, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life in moments. Now, stupid and arrogant, you would hope I'd acknowledge. But if I say in response, Stacey, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life for moments. That's not arrogant, it's my truth. So helping us 
explain that without approbation. Who is going to, who's going to give that to me? We're actually taught in presentation courses, speak to the last row of the house. What a bunch of nonsense. All it does is make me raise pitch and tend to get faster because I'm trying to get it from here to there. Right. Or you got to know your audience, got to bond. So what if I'm speaking to this person, they got one POV and you have another. I can't do that. So the hubristic concept is I am being me and I've really worked hard. If people go to my website, there's a TEDx talk that I did last year and clients, students asked, how did I prepare for it? And I said, I prepared as though it was a recital, not a presentation, not a speech. You go to a concert and I can assure you that concert will be impeccable. And if there is a mistake on that stage, you'll never see it. Because that's the level of work that an artist puts into that performance. We know that. So I've been teaching this work for over five decades. I ought to know what I'm doing. But the week for two weeks, I'm going through it 10 to 15 times a day. The day of, maybe 15 or 20. I get there about an hour and a half of every, ahead of everyone else, and I'm going through it. This is my own work. Because I got it's their, their sandbox, their rules, so it's 17 minutes, 18 minutes. and So it's a very specific structure, different than what I traditionally do. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could do this a lot of different ways. I could be this old intellectual wonk and just talk about voice as power. But instead, we do this. Ah. And I have people doing that with me in the audience cupping hands to ears to hear their voice. That was a vocal warm-up, by the way. Because that's the work. And at the end of my 18 minutes, there were tears. There was actually a standing ovation. Because I am in the work. So, whether it's a PowerPoint where people traditionally just put up a few bullets and go from that, not my clients, we write it out verbatim. And one of my clients was the EVP of a global company for 21 years. And I came to him in his mid fifties. He was clearly already a very successful business executive. And he'd never written out a PowerPoint in his life until I come barging in. And so his first town hall with me, he read it off his mini iPad because it was written down and he read it verbatim. But the offering that we'll speak about in a little bit that I want to share with your audience Part of that is called visceral language. I'm a singer. I look at music and it tells me everything to do. We look at words and they don't tell us anything. They're just words. So visceral language, if I say to you, voice is power. When you own your voice, you own your power. Now you can see certain words underlined. You can see a period at the end. And if I say it without my eyes, Voice is power. When you own your voice, you own your power. It's flat. The mouth is where the words come from, but the eyes tell the story. Voice is power. When you own your voice, you own, you feel that immediately. But I see every single thing I say on the virtual computer screen in my mind's eye, prepared or extemporaneous. And this is how I've been talking with you this whole, I can't think any other way. And so 
John in this town hall had certain words underlined, phrases marked, and breath, everything is tactical, every breath, everything. I'm sitting next to one of his direct reports whom I had just met that morning. She became a student of mine a couple of weeks later, and every note that she's taking on her computer was underlined in this script. It's a piece of the work called subliminal persuasion. Because only 8% of all of this, your listeners are going to retain from the words themselves. The rest is body language and the sound of my voice. So that's how I went for like a year and a half until he was ready to move to the next level. And I'd get a script a week earlier with home practice. And I'd send my notes back. I, he's in New York. I'd fly to New York. And that weekend, we spend another three or four hours. And he sends me more video. Picks me up uh, Monday or Tuesday, whenever it is, at 6 in the morning to drive to the campus where the company is. And I'm listening to all the way up for two and a half hours, listening to another rehearsal from home. Then before the town hall, we're meeting again. All of this for a 45-minute presentation. Between the two of us, we probably spent half a dozen or more hours. So what did he have to do to prepare for that half a dozen or more hours? Isn't that what we expect from going to the concert and seeing a performance? Sure. It'd be impeccable. Why should it be any different for us? And so how... What's, you know, you talked to me about the fact that I needed to zip up. You talked to me about the fact that I needed to look at you. See, I just went to gather my thought elsewhere. I did try to remember. Caught myself. Caught myself right there, listeners. Should I give you a couple of more or not? Sure, absolutely. May I use the word God? Of course. Not aloud, but within yourself. And for your listeners or your viewers, you can also say thank you to Source. You can merely say thank you. I'm developing a course right now bringing empowerment to a women's group in China called Her Village, coordinated through one of the most, Forbes identifies Yang Lan as one of the 100 most powerful women in the world. And she's invited me to partner with him on empowerment for women. And it's really pretty darn exciting, as you can imagine. Imagine it's unbelievable. And and so there we say thank you. It works either way. Is why I brought that up. So here within yourself, don't say it aloud. Just really embrace the thought of saying thank you to God. And your internal, external space are instantly quieter, and you breathe. Am I correct? Yes. More so through my nose. Yes. And there are a couple of more points around that, but I won't, I'll let them go for now. We put ourselves in stature. We say thank you. It's the bo- And the first impulse is the body inhales. It's the body's way of saying thank you for giving me permission to be here. I breathe to acknowledge that. Once again, pattern interrupts. The root of the word spirit, spiritus, spiritus, means to breathe. The Hebrew word neshama means both soul and breath. 
So a breath isn't only physical, Stacy. it's also emotional and spiritual. And so we use breath to help us change state and to claim our power. Well, it allows you also to actually gather space around yourself. Nice thinking. Because one of the things I teach is a song without a rest is not the same piece of music. Mm -hmm. Space has value. It also helps us create thinking time. Mm -hmm. So if I say to you, Stacy, so take a nice deep breath and exhale. Now allow a slow, silent, loving breath with your eyes on me. It will take five seconds. Slow, silent, loving. Deeper, deeper, inhaling more. And you notice your chest did not rise, your ribcage expanded. Mm -hmm. And you're quieter once again. So these, and, and one other technique, are part of what I call a mastery moment. We hear that statement that the meeting begins before you walk in the room, but nobody knows what to do with it. Well, in vocal awareness, we create a mastery moment. So we first put ourselves in statue. We say thank you. We allow a conscious loving breath. We do a very subtle warm-up called finding the hub of the voice with our lips gently together, blowing a little air out our nostrils first, and the exercise is exceedingly nasal. Zero tension here. Listen to what I do, Stacy. I'm going to move my hand like this because sound travels in an arc, so I'm going to drive that energy. And where that pitch ends up, I begin speaking. And I walk in. I also think, what is my goal for this meeting? It takes 30, 40 seconds for all of that. And then when I walk in, I take just a moment to reset. We don't ever get shot out of a camera. Ever. And because this is mastery, all mastery in any discipline only occurs when there's the integration of mind, body, spirit. The athlete and their rituals. The performer in the wings is not just visiting with the stage manager. They're focused. They're in their moment preparing spiritually, intellectually. So we just don't apply these same principles to our lives that I do in vocal awareness. Well, it seems like you also have a lot of alignment to meditation. Like everything that you're saying of gathering thought, gathering space, inhaling, thanking yourself, all of this is aligned with meditation principles, with yoga principles. Um, so it's the interesting to see. Truth. It's all the same truth. It's like the Platonian theory of the allegory of the cave. Yeah. And I just got, I got that chip. And I also have a deep spiritual practice that I followed. I don't miss a single day. I've been doing this over 51 years. I'm up at 3 or 3.30 in the morning with 45 minutes of prayer to an hour of prayer and meditation. And I go exercise. But that's how my day has started for over five decades. So you've got to walk your talk. Oh, you seem to do it very well. What else should our listeners be aware of? How much, I said this a moment ago, we don't realize how much work it takes to be ourselves while others so if you've got an important meeting, if you do have a PowerPoint presentation, if you have a keynote, 
if you have a job interview, whatever it is, prepare. Take and write out the opening 15 seconds and put on your video camera or your audio recorder on your phone and record, practice. Oh, that was too fast. Oh, that was good, but then I dropped my energy. Whatever it is, you're going to discover a whole lot. But as you do it, you do it without judgment. You must create safe harbor. This is an intimate work. The root of the word intimate means intrinsic or essential. I'm teaching us how that it is essential to be who we are, intrinsic to be who we are. And this kind of practice corresponds to also whenever possible record your performances either on video or audio i get them from recorders and jacket pockets with all the rustling and what it's all it's what i call game film and we study it it's like an athlete studying their at bat so creating objective opportunity to move the dial no judgment safe harbor paradigm structure does not impinge it liberates freedom without direction is chaos so we create structure to help you be the best you can possibly be because this ain't a dress rehearsal man i wanted to want to chew up the scenery and maximize every opportunity well it's interesting to me that you talk about you know giving yourself a bit of a break basically when you're watching this and you're listening to yourself because it's hard. It's hard for people to, or at least it's hard for me to even listen to podcasts. It's hard. If I've spoken, it's hard to hear my words or to go back. I just did a film documentary interview the other day and I was so conscious of being on camera. And whenever I do these types of interviews, I don't. My, my natural gut is I do not want to go watch it, nor do I want to hear it ever again, because you take it so personally, and it, it is difficult. And it is personal. Yeah. They say, don't, it's not personal. Heck, it's not personal. Yeah. And so the key word in vocal awareness is surrender, to yield or to give back. We're in service to our calling, to what I call the capital W work, so we don't get to be the cork in our own bottle. You clearly aspire to excellence. And so we just get over ourselves. It doesn't mean it's not scary. It's not humbling. When I, McGraw-Hill is the publisher of my last two books. And one of them, they wanted me to do a book on tape. And even I, after all, it got my attention. I have to to design it. I don't want to just sound like some old intellectual wonk enjoying my own words and to sustain this for 40 billion hours while I'm in that studio for X number of hours a day. And so I'm doing all the same work I teach everybody else and the listening back and the clarity. But there is also such joy in that. And perhaps before you do your next podcast, you reflect on our time or go to that visual voice pro course that we will be speaking about in a moment and practice it. And then have by the console a couple of reminders, such as take my time. Do the hub of the voice exercise. Hmm. Am I listening? Hear myself. Enjoy myself. 
just ways to stay present in the moment and watch how stuff just dissipates pretty much instantly. Well, since you brought it up, what a great segue. Can you share with our listeners? Terribly subtle. Terribly subtle. You are the most subtle, yes. My vision, Stacy, is to change the world through voice. I can't do that by myself. I've created a movement I call the Human Achievement Movement. I'm not at all interested in potential. It's achievement I'm really interested in. And so I don't do this podcast as a one-off. It's really nice meeting you and talking with you, and it's really cool. But I do it because you have an audience. And for this audience, I created a 50% discount on a course called Visual Voice Pro. And it's me teaching this work. It's me teaching vocal awareness on video with you one-on-one with you. And it's integral. It is the work. And so I do this because I want people to be able to grow through this work. So we make this offering to your audience at, as I say, a 50% discount. And it's, it's a pretty significant program. So... That is what I'm putting out there for you. Well, that is a very generous offer. And it is going to be able to also be found on the podcast page. So it will be in our notes section as well as lots of other places so that we can make sure that we can extend that very generous offer to everyone. Thank you so. And should anybody ever want to find me, should I tell them how? You should absolutely do that. My website is vocalawareness.com. There's lots of free content on it. Take a look at that TED Talk and some other videos, articles, etc. One that I wrote for Huffington a couple of years ago on the imposter syndrome or on leadership. And if anybody writes, you write support at Vocal Awareness and my team forwards me every email and I personally answer every email. So you will hear from me if you choose to. And then very importantly, and I, if I could just drop this pebble, I turned 73 this past January, and I write an annual New Year's letter. And in this one, I launched, I spoke about, this is my legacy thing. And I launched a certification course because I've created meaningful work, and I want to pass it on. And so all now I do have this, certification course where people can begin to learn vocal awareness in a very concentrated way and possibly even think about in time putting their own shingle on the door and teaching the work whether one-on-one or in their companies or whatever it might be so this certification course is something i'm also quite proud of so anyway well that sounds like another potential phenomenal offer for our listeners to make sure that they check out. Thanks, Stacey. You're a nice woman. Thank you. Well, it's interesting, I will say, talking with you. And, you know, we've done a lot of these podcasts, and the energy is different talking to you. You're very much, it's a very calming energy. You know, everything that you say is very thoughtful. There's room around what you're saying. And it makes you actually pay a little bit more attention, I think, as the podcast host and as the listener, 
to, you know, wait for the words to come versus expecting what might be coming. And you stayed awake. I did. It was very easy to stay awake. That was not a problem at all. Well, that's a really thoughtful observation. And, and also for our audience, we want to be storytellers, not just data delivery machines. So it depends on what we're talking about because we can tell the story in multiple ways. And the story could be one part of the story is here. Another part of the story is like that. So I want us to be able to have all of these different gears to play with. And so I just gave you a glimpse of what other gears we can play with. Well, thank you for that. And before we say goodbye, are there any last tips of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? Let's do our exercise. Okay. Put ourselves in stature. And you notice core engages, chest opens, so the body inhales. We say thank you. Then we allow a slow, silent, conscious, loving breath. It will take five seconds. If you hear it, it's wrong. And just exhale. That was excellent. I'm going to demonstrate the exercise first. We always speak or do their ex these exercises at the apex of the inhale. Breath is fuel. If it's important enough to say, it's important enough to breathe before we say it. So I'm going to inhale, and I'm going to then find the hub. Nasal air will come out my nostrils first. Listen. So we're going to do that, and at the end of it, you're going to breathe again and say, I am an extraordinary person, and I do extraordinary things. And see a period. We're going to breathe in stature. Deeper. Excellent. We're going to hum. We're going to breathe. I am an extraordinary. I'm an extraordinary, extraordinary person. person. And I do. And I do extraordinary. And things. I do extraordinary things. And I do extraordinary things. And I do extraordinary things. Feel what happens? Yeah. You lower your voice and you breathe out and your body goes into it a bit. We don't think about lowering our voice, Stacey. That's just where the voice goes. Right. And it's called the hub because that's where it wants to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's the way we really calibrate moment to moment. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would leave your audience with. Well, Arthur, thank you so much for your time sharing all of your advice and thoughts and wisdom and your calm with us today. Really enjoyed having you on the show. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to speaking with you next week. 